Good morning. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is, the one who always was, and the one who is to come. It is a pleasure to be here with you at Vic Park Church, and uh, thank you for the, uh, for the welcome that you've given me. Thank you for the prayers that you had this morning. Thank you for the beautiful singing. Would you like to bow heads with me as we pray once more? Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you'll touch my lips and the words and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you might be an encouragement for all of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. We are living in a very tumultuous time. We're right in the middle of a crisis, a crisis that we, most of us, did not experience in our lifetime. And as we look around, there's not just the the health crisis, the coronavirus crisis, but also the economical crisis. But there's also another crisis that we face as a church community, as Christianity in general, if you like. You'll find that today, most of the people in Australia, if you would have, you've been here, you're born here, you've been here for a long time, you've seen the progression This country that was founded on the Christian principles is no longer a Christian country, just in case you haven't noticed. And um, most of our Christian values are no longer accepted by the general public. We're living in a postmodern world. And... uh, I'm glad that your pastor, Pastor Marcus, he wants to engage with people in our communities who no longer listen to the, the, uh, the Christian values that for a long time we hold together. There's a different approach that we need to have. So this morning I have a question for you before we, we dig into the Word. And the question that I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning is, How do we share our faith in a culture that often despises our Christian values and commitment? How do we share that? And we, this morning in our Sabbath school study, we learn about how to share the three angels' message. And um, there was a a comment there that was made. How do we do that with an everyday person, uh, the job log who walks on the street there, how do we share the three angels' message in a way that we actually can connect and can make sense to that person? I'd like to take you to the book of Daniel. And we're going to spend uh, a bit of time here looking at, at this man, young man at the time, called Daniel and his friends. And perhaps learn some of the principles from him about how to connect with with a culture that is foreign to us. You see, 
the, the next question for me is, can principles from yesterday's Babylonian city apply to our mission in the city here in Perth in the last days? Can anything we can, anything we can glean over and learn from Daniel and his friends about living in a foreign Babylonian city? That's the question i like to address with you today. So Daniel chapter 1. I'd like to spend the first book of, the first six chapters of Daniel deals with, a, we call it the historical themes. And the, the next six um, in the book deals more with the prophetic. So I'd like to, to focus on the, on the historical facts here and learn some of the principles on how can we relate to a culture that we live that was just as it was for Daniel, was foreign to him. You'll find that the book of Daniel starts with a crisis. Daniel, and not just Daniel himself, but, but his people, the Israelites, found themselves into a crisis, just like we are. There was a spiritual crisis. There was a, a crisis where... Everything they knew about their spirituality, the temple was destroyed. They, the whole spiritual culture was, was no longer existed. And Daniel and the Israelites found themselves slaves taken into a foreign land. Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 1 starts with these words. During the third year of King Jehoiakim, during his reign, king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Everything the, the Israelites knew, because they forsaken the God of the universe, the Creator God, they found themselves surrounded, under siege. Even the objects of their temple were taken from them and placed them in a foreign God in a foreign house, in a foreign city. So Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and he took captives according to the context that we read in Daniel chapter 1. In that time, back in the time, Babylon was a, a superpower, one of the richest country as you, as, as you may, the kingdom of Babylonia, the one that King Nebuchadnezzar built himself, as he himself states later on, isn't this Babylon the one that I built it by my mighty power? In fact, every single brick on that palace, on that gate, the one in blue there, the Easter gate, the one that you can admire today if you go to Berlin in Germany. 
And you're going to see that in the museum. The original Eschtergate that the German archaeologists actually dug up and they pull it apart brick by brick. On every brick with the inscription, I Nebuchadnezzar. And rebuild it back. Stands today as the testimony of the power, the might of this Babylonian empire. I had the privilege to see this gate, to stand and to walk just as Daniel walked through those gates when he went to Babylon, captive in a foreign city. Can you imagine how he felt? How he felt. Together with many, many other people, many other young people, as he found himself there's a few principles that I'd like to emphasize, the seven principles that I can learn from Daniel of living in a foreign city, in a foreign land. The Bible says in verse 3 and 4, as we continue to read that context, says that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of, those, some of the people of Israel both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. You see, what the king wanted, he wanted to be surrounded with people, young people, in particular, of excellence, of good character, of nobility. So he can educate it. He can influence. You see, uh, you, you hear about these social media influencers, you know. He wanted to influence them in his culture, in his religion, in his spirituality. God, God placed them there, allowed them to be there for a purpose. God placed you and me in this city for a purpose. It might look a bit unfamiliar to you now because people don't really um, trust and value Christianity as we do. How can we how can we today be a witness just as Daniel and his friends were a witness in Babylon? You see, what, what God needed then, he also needs today. People living in the city like you and I. And it's people of good character, of excellence. Although God looks on the heart and not on the appearance. In the eyes and the people in the city, excellence in physical and social mental qualifications are just as important for God's leaders today, just as it was in the days of Daniel in Babylon. You want to thrive, you want to you be a, a light shining in a dark city, wherever you are, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, 
at home. They are a person of integrity. Be a man and a woman of integrity, of good character. Whatever you do, if you are a plumber, do it well. If you are an engineer, do it well. Be a good character. What God needs today from you and me, he needs men and women of integrity. Men and women who not only just can talk the talk, but can walk the walk. People who are not just one day Christians, who can come to church and they can talk the right thing and say the right thing in Sabbath school and they can sing the right hymn. But when they walk out of these doors through the week, they are men and women that can walk the walk. People can see something different. Among all the Israelites that were taken captives, there was a group of men and women, and particularly Daniel and his friends that are mentioned in this book, that they not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk. And so we found ourselves later on reading in verse 8 and 9, but Daniel was determined. I, I love the word determined. In some translation we hear the word Daniel purposed. Purposed in his heart. You see, before even the crisis comes, and crisis will come, you and I need to determine. You and I need to purpose in our hearts that we are going to stand for God. Daniel and his friends were, didn't have a big issue with, with, with the king naming them, giving them a different names because he wanted to change their character and their names. By the way, I love the name Daniel. I even named my son middle name Daniel. God is my judge. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar said, no, 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 no. Your name is going to be Belshazzar. Bel is going to be your God. Daniel says, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't fight that. You can call, call me whatever you like. I know who I am. That's not up to me. But I'm not going to compromise on the things that I need to stand up for God. The things that we, we have no control over. You see, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these things, these unacceptable foods to him. He said, I have no control what you call me, but I have control what I put in my body. My body is the temple of God. And I'm not going to defile with your food. I'm not going to eat at your table. Now God, in verse 9, the Bible says, has given the chief of staff both respect 
and affection for Daniel. I love this sentence. Even before the crisis, even before he even asked anything from this, from this man. This guy, the chief of staff, saw something different in this young man. This group. This is not, this group uh, is not like the, all the others. This man is different. This man is different. Among all the Israelites, all the Christians up there, are part of my kingdom now. There's something different about this. He earned respect and admiration and affection. People will respect you if you are a man and a woman of integrity, whatever you are. Even before you ask to have your Saturday off when you start a new job, people will know. People will know. You'll earn that respect if you are a man and a woman of integrity. And what God needs today, He needs men and women determined to honor God by their words and their deeds. Daniel says, My body is the temple of God. I'm not going to defile. Test me. Put me to the test. What God needed then, He needed men and women who can stand up for Him and proclaim the truth of the Bible. You see, there was a crisis because the king had a dream one night and if you are a a Babylonian king, and if you have a dream, you don't blame that on the, on the meal that you had the night before, on the pizza that you had the night before. Must have too much to eat. That's why I had a bad dream. If you are a king, Babylonian king, you call in your parliament, you call in your wise people, your counselors, you make a big deal of it. Tell me the dream. But this time you tell me the interpretation and you tell me the dream. And all the wise people in the Babylonian empire, the counselors, the magicians, they came and said, King, you're asking something impossible. No man can say that. No man can do that. Only the gods. And so, when they were faced with a crisis because the king was not happy, and he would decree that all the wise men in his kingdom are going to be killed, destroyed, if they're not going to tell him the dream and the interpretation. In that crisis, Daniel, young Daniel, what did he do? Let's read in verse 17. And Daniel went home and he told his friends, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secrets so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Faced with a crisis, Daniel called for a prayer meeting, a small group prayer meeting. He could have just prayed by himself. Ah, oh, Lord, you know, I'm here. 
You need to give me that wisdom. Praying by himself. Faced with a crisis as Christians, as church, that calls us to be men and women of prayer, just like Daniel. What do you do when you're faced with a crisis? Coronavirus came. The doors of the, sh- the church are shut. What do you do? You call in your friends. If you have no restrictions to meet together in a home. Or you pray over the Zoom. And you call upon the God of heaven. But God neither them. He needed men and women who were prepared to kneel before God so they can stand before this earthly king. What God calls us today, he calls for prayer warriors, men and women of prayer. In order to reach other people, we need to be people of integrity. We need to be people of purpose, of determination, and people of prayer. Daniel was a man of principle, of purity, purpose, and a man of prayer. God needs today more than ever, he needs us to be men and women of prayer, corporate prayer. The promise is made on the condition that the united prayers of the church are offered. And in answer to those prayers, there might be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to the private prayer. Did you know that? There is power. There's a greater power in the united prayers, in corporate prayers. Whatever two or three are gathered together, I'll be there. There's a promise. There's a greater power. And Daniel called for prayer. The power is given, though. The power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love of God and for one another. I want you to reflect a little bit on this sentence. The power given, it will be proportionate to the unity of the members in the church. How united are you? How united are you in purpose? How united are you in worship? How united are you in mission? Proportionate to the unity of, its, of the members and their love for God and their love for one another. That's a different thing. It will be the power given in answer to those prayers will be proportionate to the love for one another. You know, I do go from church to church across the state in the last three years. And I, I mentor, I, I work with churches, and I, I've been here a few years ago, a year or two ago, doing the NCD, the Natural Church Development, looking at ways of how to grow the church. And one of those characteristics in growing the church is loving one another. You know what the lowest score is for the whole conference? Loving relationships. The power 
in answer to that prayer. You know why the churches, they look, you, you go to a church and you feel that there's no power here. No power. We're powerless and reaching others and growing and being a witness, making an impact in the city. The power is given, given it will be proportionate to the unity and the love for one another. What God needed today in its spiritual people, people of humility, of love, of trust, integrity. This is crucial to the cities, living in the city. Those of us who live in the city need to be men and women of God and of His Word. Daniel, faced with a crisis, he called for prayer. He trusted God's word, not his own. And this is what we need to have today. People who are humble. The Bible talks about pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, Daniel... When God has given him the dream and the interpretation in answer to his prayer, he did not go before the king and said, See, I'm cleverer than all you wise people. I can do this. He was humble. He was humble. And he says, You know what, king? You're all wise people here that came to you and said that no man can, can say that. It's true. No man can tell the king the dream. But there is a God in heaven who can do that. He was humble. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, he said. And then he goes and reveals to the king. When you kneel before the king of the universe, you can stand before any earthly king, any president, any prime minister, any boss that you might have. When you kneel down before God, you can stand up and say, I'm not willing to compromise. And he says, you are king. You know, can you just imagine Daniel, a young fellow, Jew coming and standing before this, this pagan king who believed himself to be God on earth, I God. And he says, you, O king, you are watching, and behold, a great image stood before you. And as you were watching, he said, you have seen in your dream. You have seen this image as you're sitting on your bed and you've seen this great, great head of gold and you are that head of gold. But after you, there's going to be another kingdom of silver called Medo-Persia. And after that kingdom, there's going to be another kingdom of Greece, of bronze and legs of iron. And after those legs of iron, it will be the ten toes, 
mixed with iron and clay. And as you contemplate that image, a stone, a rock cut without human hands will come and you will smash that image right at its feet. And the big, big mountain will fill the whole earth and all the kingdoms of this earth will be destroyed. God will establish his kingdom. And that rock cut without human hands, that is the eternal rock, Christ's eternal kingdom. Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. Jesus is coming again. And he stood up there and he prophesied before this pagan king. He did not believe a thing about any spiritual things that Daniel had in his life. Yet, Daniel, this young man, after being humble, praying, being a person of integrity or purpose, he had the courage to share the prophetic word of God with this king. My friends, today, that prophetic word is still applying today. And you and I, we're finding ourselves today right at the toes of that image. We can look back in history today and we can see that Babylon no longer exists, just as Daniel prophesied. You, oh king, that head of gold, not going to last forever. Nebuchadnezzar believed that his kingdom will last forever. Today we're finding ourselves right there. And the next thing we're going to expect, part of that prophecy, everything else is fulfilled. We are right there at the toes. And the next thing is Jesus coming again. What God needs today, and it's men and women who are prepared to be humble, to be prayerful, purposeful, determined to stand up and share the word of God in a relevant way to the community. Urban ministries must have a message to proclaim. We as a church believe we have a message to share. We started as a church. God called us to share a relevant message with the world, the three angels' messages. Are we still relevant? Or are we just, a, just another denomination, another, another Christian church? Or have we got a relevant message to share with the world? Daniel preached the prophecies of the end time. Something still relevant today, my friends. Today, more than ever, people need to know that we are right there at the toes of that image. And the next thing is that great rock cut without human hands, Jesus, coming again. We are sitting at the edge of eternity. And you and I have been given a message to proclaim to the world. Is that message relevant? People need to hear that today in the city of Perth. People need to know what's ahead 
people more than ever. Barna did a research recently. And apart from the fact that a lot of Christians are not coming back to church, he discovered that people who had never been interested in religion, in the Bible, in reading the Bible, more than ever people are now searching to find out what in the world is happening. They want to know the Word of God. They study together in their families. They don't attend church. People who have never been to church, they are studying in their homes. The Bible, reading that for themselves. People more than ever, and I met people in the last month as I travel around. Churches in Perth in Western Australia. Be sitting in the church and people just turn up. Just turn up to church. And they said, we... We, we, we were reading the Bible in the last few months because we didn't know what, what's happening with this pandemic. Is the world going to come to an end? And we, we just wanted to know what the Bible says. And we just came across. We just came across the Sabbath. And we, wanted, we wonder. This family just walked in. We Googled your church. We wanted to, to find out if there's anybody else out there. People need to know in the city what's ahead. People are living in fear. And they need to know that God has a word of hope. For us, there's hope. We have the blessed hope, the second coming of Jesus. And we need to proclaim that today. Ministers should present the sure word of prophecy as the foundation of the faith of the seven and of this church. You know, our foundation. Daniel and Revelation. Prophecies. The prophecies of Daniel and Revelation should be carefully studied and in connection with them, the words, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. In that context, we need to present the gospel. Revelation 14, the everlasting gospel. Jesus came. He died for us on that cross of Calvary. But yet, He is coming again to take us to be with him. And this is the good news, my friends, we need to share with the dying world. We are living in the last days. And the next thing in that prophecy that Daniel stood up and prophesied is that rock, that eternal rock. And so Peter says, Apostle Peter says, and so we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to hear there's a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts the day is getting darker by the minute in this world and that morning star Jesus will rise we are right there at prophecy this is why your church was engaged together with about eight churches in the cities and if it wasn't for this pandemic in July, August, we would have been right now proclaiming that message called prophetica. We would have proclaimed that. Part of, the, part of the cycle of evangelism, making friends, following the methods of Jesus, making friends with people, interacting with them. 
winning their interest, their confidence in a humble way. And then inviting them to hear what the prophecy has to say. What God needed then, Daniel chapter 3, as we follow along, you'll find that his friends, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were faced with, with worshipping this, this image, gold, Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to be just the head of gold. He wanted to have the whole thing. His kingdom was going to last forever. So he said, I'm going to build this image. And I'm going to have everybody bow down. Faced with that crisis, those three friends, they said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to serve us, to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will not, we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. God is going to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. Daniel was a man of purpose, a man of principle, a man of prayer. His friends were also people of integrity, of faith. And they said, we have faith. We have faith. Even Daniel himself, when he was faced, thrown into the lion's den, said, I'm not going to compromise I have faith that God is going to save me. What about you and me? What God needed then, he needed faithful men and women to live in Babylon, to be a testimony to others. What God needs today, men and women of faith. The question that Jesus is asking, when the Son of Man will come, would he find faith on the earth? Faithfulness, city workers need to interact with the surrounding culture. We need to interact. We live in, we live in this culture. It's, it's, not a, it's not a Christian culture, but we need to interact. But we need to know when we need to stand up, stand against the culture. greatest want of the world is the want of man. And this was written by a, a favorite, my favorite Christian woman. And she talks about man. She says, the greatest want of the world is the want of man. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their inmost souls are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to the duty as the needle to the pole. Men who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. What God needs today in his man who can stand up for him. When everybody else bow down to that image, the time will come when we need to make a decision. But we need to determine today. We need to purpose today. 
Am I going to bow down? Am I not being a literal wife? These three young men said, everybody's bound down. They could pretend that they could just, just take a knee, just take a knee. Just, just pretend you tie your shoelaces. Nobody, you know, the big crowd on that plane of Dura. Just three men. They stood up. Men and women of God needs today. Men and women who prepare to stand up for him. Stand up for the right, even if heavens fall. God needed then, Daniel chapter 4, verse 8. I love this text because when there was a crisis and, and, and the king was faced again with, with, with in his mind, who, what, who, who is going to help me? He says, but that's last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God. But in him is the spirit of the holy God, of the living God, in him. And I told the dream before, and, he, and I told the dream before him, saying, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. Again, when the king has this, this dream, that this big tree and, and being chopped off, he says, I call on Daniel because I recognized that the spirit of the living God lives in him. What God needed then, he needed people who are spirit-filled. What God needs today, people who live in this city in its spirit-filled men and women. When we interact with people in our own circle of influence, do we see, what do they see? Do they see people, do they say about us? What do they say about us? Is, is this, this man, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask her because I recognize that the spirit of the living God lives in them. What God needs today, more than ever, in order to reach people for him, and it's men and women of integrity. Men and women of determined, are determined to, to honor God by their words and deeds. Men and women who are humbly seeking God in prayer. Prayer warriors. Men and women who are faithful to him, even though the heavens fall. Men and women who are spirit-led. Spirit-led. You know, my friends, someone, somewhere, is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. In your own circle of influence, God has called you. He placed you in this city. He placed you in this church. He placed you in that neighborhood that you live in to be a person, to be a light shining in this dark world. We are encouraged to work the cities without delay, for the time is short. Do we recognize that the time is short today? We are living in the last days, my friends. As we have seen the prophecies today, today more than ever, the signs are speaking loud and clear. We are right there at the toes. 
And Jesus is coming again. And we need to share that good news with others so they too might be there when he comes again. This is my prayer for all of us today as we try and reach others for Christ. This is my prayer for the church here in, in Big Park, that God will continue to bless, encourage, and when Jesus comes, we want to hear those words, well done, faithful servant, faithful servant. This is my prayer for all of us. Amen.